Well, if you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up here again a little bit what we talked about last week, and we're going to finish off just what we're, we're talking about, the source last week. I want to finish it up this morning with you, because uh, next week, my beautiful wife is going to be speaking. And, oh, I, I guess I retire. Here you, here you go. <laughs> and uh, man, she, I, I'm excited for that. It's going to be good. <clears throat> Uh, but we've been talking about this these past couple of weeks on why isn't it working. And uh, so if you're kind of saying, well, no, everything is working for me. Great. Well, it's time to get pruned. And I'm not talking about that, you know, weird looking raisin. <laughs> I'm talking about just to get to hear the word so that we can develop more fruit. And that's what this thing is. Whole, this, this is what this whole Christian life is all about. You and I producing fruit for God, for the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God. Am I right? Yeah. Right. So Colossians chapter 1, this is a verse that we've read over and over again because the theme that, this, that the Lord has given us as a church family is the word decontaminate. And he told us that this year he's going to be exposing thinking, wrong thinking, wrong traditional mindsets that we may have had over the years that's affecting our walk with him. And he's exposing it to us so that we can walk in a greater measure with him and see more fruit produced in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but personally, this has been a decontaminating year for myself. Just finding out little certain thought patterns or things that are on the inside of me that the Lord just kind of shed a light on so that I'm able to do something with it so I can produce more fruit for Him. That's, I mean, don't we, we serve a good God. And as we're going to see, this is what, this is what the Lord has called us to is to produce and to bear fruit. Anybody interested in producing fruit? Oh man, I am. And anybody in produce, interested in producing more fruit? Absolutely. That's what, that's what this thing's all about. Because I mean, what is this Christian life if we're not seeing any fruit? Right, it's kind of lame. <laughs> so Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, it says this in the message paraphrase. It says, we preach Christ. Man, I love that. Warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. So what we're interested in here is talking about Christ. Showing Jesus, revealing Jesus. That's been our heart. That's one of our main focuses here at Impact Life Church is that we lift Jesus up in such a way that people can see all the different ways of Him and how amazing and how wonderful this God that we serve is. He is outstanding. He is wonderful. He is gracious. He's kind. But there's so many different facets of Him. Now you may have seen Him this one way, but if you go around the side, you see Him a different way. He's just as beautiful. He's just as amazing, just as powerful. And so that's what we want to do this morning and throughout this series is just showcase how wonderful this God really is. Now, we said this statement last week and I want to say it to you again. But this question, why isn't it working? Because I know this, that every issue that mankind faces is because there's a part of our relationship with Christ that hasn't been developed. And in saying that, what I mean is we haven't fully seen who we are in Him and who He is in us. Because when you get a clear picture of who Jesus is on the inside of you and who you are in Him, Amen. that's it. You get a clear picture because Jesus not only is an example for us, He is an example of us. When we see Jesus as He is, the Bible tells us in 1 John, we'll be turned and changed to be just like Him. Amen. Listen, we're called to participate in His Sonship. We're called to be just like him, Romans 8, 29 and 30 says. We're called to be just like him. So how do we, how can we become just like somebody? You gotta look at him, you gotta see him. It's kinda hard. Like this morning, uh, Jason, Jamie went and bought Jay some really cool clothes and awesome stuff. And how that is, is actually he looks like me. Or maybe I look like him. Other way around, it could be the other way too. 
But man, like what happened is, okay, like Jamie found that green bomber jacket. So I have a green bomber jacket. Jay says, Papa, let's, let's wear our, our bomber jackets. He gets excited. Why, why does he say that? Because he's able to see it. When he sees this, I want that. Right? You, you do it all the time. Naturally speaking, you see somebody's got a nice outfit on and, you know, they're doing their thing and, and you know, doing all this. And you go, oh, I like that outfit. And right away, because you saw it, now you say, I, I want that same thing. It's the same way spiritually. What you see, you can participate in. So you got to see Jesus for who he is. Oh, so let's pray before we begin this morning, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here living in us. You're here amongst us. And right now we ask you, sir, that you would open up our eyes to see Jesus for who he really is. Lord, we ask you that you open up our ears to hear Jesus, to hear exactly what he's saying to us. Father, we open up our hearts to receive, our ears to hear. Father, we are so interested in seeing Jesus in all of his glory and who you made him to be for us and who we are in you. Father God, we love you, we honor you, and we thank you so much in advance for the things that we are going to see this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles again, as I said, go to now uh, Mark chapter 3. And this statement that I made earlier is, why isn't it working? Just really edifies. If there's an area in your life that is not working properly, you need to see Jesus for who he really is. You need to come into a relationship with him in that area and let him speak into it. If you're having trouble marital-wise, what's the best answer to do? I mean, yeah, there's, there's different natural tools that you can do. You can see counseling. All those things are great and good. But really, when you get down to the bottom of this whole thing is when you actually see Jesus for who he is, you want to be like him and you'll take that into your marriage. Mm -hmm. You want to develop, Lord, how do I handle, how, now that I'm a husband, now that I'm a wife, how am I supposed to treat my spouse? How am I supposed to be a parent to my kids? Lord, show me. Because the only way, this is, this is how we are as people, what we see, we do. Amen. You may be doing marriage, you may be doing relationships based on what you've seen. Right? It could, be, it could be your parents, it could be other friends that you may have, but what you see is what you do. So it's vital that we see Jesus. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. As the church, the, the world doesn't need to see more churches, they need to see the church being Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they need to see. That's what they're craving. And I don't know about you, but that's what I'm desiring. Yeah. I don't want to just play church, I want to be the church. Yeah. I want to be who Jesus made me to be. Hurrah! Yeah. And I believe that's who we are here at Impact Life Church. But in Mark chapter 3, just to prove that earlier statement, verse 13, Jesus made this, or it says here, and I want to read it to you from the Passion. It says, Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. So they went up the mountainside to join him. He appointed the twelve whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends and so that he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and cast out all devils. Now, if you can go to verse 14 there for a sec. He appointed the twelve, and what were their job as after he called them? What did Jesus want them to do? They were to what? Accompany him. Now, I love it just the way that it says in the Passion Translation. He wanted them to, he wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends. Somebody say friends. What's he want with you? He called you. Now what does he want with you? Friendship. friendship. He wants this friendship. And I, I kind of got to thinking a little bit about this, and I was doing, doing a little bit of study on this. But man, that friendship word, there's a few verses that I'm going to just read to you. Psalm 25, 14. Write this verse down, because this one will change your life. 
Psalm 25, 14. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation in the Living Bible. In the Passion, it says, There's a private place reserved for the lovers of God, where they sit near Him and receive the revelation secrets of His promises. There's a reserved seating for those who love God. Second, in the Living Bible, it says, Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. With them alone, He shares the secrets of His promises. <laughs> Think about for this for a second. Man, because I, I, I used to ask this myself this question. How come it is that it just looks like God is helping some people out more than He's helping others out? Anybody ever asked that question before? Ever seen that? Like, man, that guy, sure, he gets his prayers answered. Bang, 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 bang. He, man, he, things are happening in his life continuously. Why is that? Meanwhile, my life isn't looking like that. What's, what's going on? Is God, is God favoring people over other? Is, is God a favorite? Does he play favorites? No. no. God has no favorites. So what is it? How come some people receive more from God? They see more of God. They're more, they act more like God. What is that? Is there an unfair balance in here? No, it just actually shows right here that the, those that have a friendship with God are those who have reverence for Him. So what's the difference? Those that get more help, obviously they have more reverence for God than people who don't. Right? There's not this kind of confusing game. God doesn't play mind games with us. It's very black and white. If you want to see more of God, if you want to have the revelation knowledge of all of His promises, of what He does in His covenant, you have to have this attitude of, Jesus, I reverence you. I honor you. I admire you. I respect you. Right? That may be an answer to a lot of people going, why isn't it working? Do you have reverence for Him? Is there this deep reverence and this awe for Him that, Jesus, I love you so much. I crave you, Lord. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. I need your word. Okay, Colossians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want you to look in, uh, you have verse 9 there, but I want you just to look at verse 4 for a sec, and I want to keep this in context and read it to you. Verse 4, it says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given to you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Aren't you thankful? Who's keeping you strong to the end? He is. But now notice this verse 9. How does he do this? Well, it says, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have been invited into a partnership. Other translations say fellowship or communion. Passion translation says you've been invited into a friendship. You have been invited to this friendship. So who's invited to this reserve table that's up here just for two? Who's invited to that? I'm invited. You're invited. Everyone's invited, but who gets to sit at the table? Does anybody can just have a seat and God's going to start sharing his secrets with them? No. It's for those who have a deep reverence for him. Right? Those that have a reverence for him, they get to sit at this table. And what is God going to do? He's going to share all of the secrets. He's going to reveal his covenant. He's going to show you openly everything you need to see from his word. 
I don't know about you, but that turns my crank. What does it take? It's not about me having to be a good enough Christian in order to sit there. I have to just take on this attitude of, Lord, I have reverence for you, this deep awe and respect for you, this holy fear for you, not scared of God, scared to be away from him. I want him in my life. Can you see that? Okay. Now, there's many scriptures that you can see throughout the New Testament where it talks about you and I, we've been called into this relationship with him over and over and over again. That's what grace has done. Your job wasn't going the way that it's supposed to do. When your health was going wrong, remember your first love, what he did for you? Now, I will never forget this. I hope this is tattooed in my brain forever. But when I finally woke up to what God actually cared about me, November in 2005, <sighs> Can't tell you the exact date, but all I know is a Thursday night, and we had a church service on a Thursday night here, and it was a wild one. <laughs> we had the group Shekinah Glory, and I don't know, is that any, I mean, any, any younger folk ever heard of Shekinah Glory? Okay. Well, you may read it in the Bible. Shekinah what? Yeah, she, Shekinah Glory. It's in the Bible. But there was, a, there was a group. It was three people, two ladies and a guy, and they were kind of a, a singing, prophetic group. They really flow in the gifts of the Spirit. They were awesome. They were, they were radical. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so I remember sitting in the back, and, you know, every, the church is running circles, and woo, you know, doing their thing, getting excited about Jesus, and it's all good. And finally, I remember she just kind of stopped everything. She said, I want the pastor's son in the, in the back. Joel, come on up here for a sec. I'm good. We're, we're, we're good back here. This is great. So, no, she could come on up here. So, I remember, no, just, please, Lord, like, Lord, please, I'm, I'm sorry for everything I've done. I, I repent of it. I, I didn't mean it. Please don't tell my parents what I've been doing. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I remember getting up here. I was standing right on this corner right here. And she took this step and she just ministered the love of God to me. It was stern. Anybody else heard it would have went, ooh, ah. It was harsh, but it ministered such love to me because God knew exactly how to get my attention. I don't like this fluffy, you know, it's all cute for you. No, no, I need it straight. And the way the Lord spoke to me, he spoke it straight. Joel, don't go after the glittery things of this life. There's so much more for you. And there's a few other things that were added to that, but that's the gist of it. And I went, uh, you got it, right? And I remember walking in the back there just going, what just happened to me? What just, God just met me right here. Did you know God visits right here? <laughs> Not only just visits, do you know that God dwells here? And it just, that, that just shook me up. And I remember, because in November at that time, I was going to college. I was training for firemen, for paramedics. And I, was, I had a couple scholarships at the RDC that I was playing soccer and volleyball. My entire life was totally radically changed. At that point, I stopped everything. I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I, okay, I'm in. I'm in. I, I get this. And moved out of from being my parents' church thing to actually becoming my own relationship with him. It changed me. Stop school. Stop dating the girls that I was dating. Ba -da 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 and all this stuff. And <laughs> that was awkward. <laughs> I don't do good in breakups. I, I just I just don't. What do I do? I just avoid the person for a very long time. And then you get an email or you get a you get a uh, an MSN messenger text. Are we still together? Uh, Dutch Boy Seven replies, no. <laughs> So we're just, we're, we're good, we're good. <laughs> I've changed since then. I like to confront things now. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, where was I with that? MSN Messenger threw me off. Changed everything. Praise the Lord. But remember your first love. Remember all those times that he showed up to you. Man, he met me right here. And after that, during all that time, I remember just coming back here afterwards. Like I would be working at a, a, a fire 
I was working at a fire hall in Joffrey, and I've been working there for a couple of years. And right afterwards, every day after work, I got a key to come back here because my dad was running the church at the time. He said, here, here's a key. Go do, go do your thing. I would just run in the back. I would blast the music, and I would just spend time with my first love. Jesus, I, I fell in love with this man, not just this initial time. Right over there, it was kind of more like a, oh, what's your deal? I thought we were okay. It's a more now, all of a sudden, I wanted him. His love will draw you in. It draws you in. And after that, I remember just spending time in the back there, just praising God, just shouting to him, just praying in other tongues, rejoicing, celebrating because I had a first love. And as I spent time with my first love, he started to reveal things to me. He started to show me things. He started to share with me his word. He started to open things up to me about my life, about the girl I was going to marry. Woo-woo! Right? And all these awesome things. But that came because all of a sudden this deep reverence and this awe for him started to grow. Now, remember when you had that? Take it back. That's all that it is. Oh, God hasn't spoken to me in a little while. It's not God's fault. He's talking. What do I got to do? I got to adjust myself. I got to now come back into line of this place of reverence and awe of going to him. And listen, when I'm with him, he shares things. Right? It's not hard. God's always talking. Right? Now, before we continue on, I want to just jump into this and attitude check. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Go over there real quick. Everyone's doing good this morning? We're happy? Those that aren't happy, you're okay? (laughs) Okay. Verse 1, or actually just before verse 1, look at the headline. It says, who is the greatest in the kingdom realm? Verse 1, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well. Now I'm taking that for me. Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change. Everybody say change. Change. Oh, say it like you like it. Change. 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 Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm, with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself, this is verse 4, to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. Now, I know you've heard this before, but let's again, let's move this out of uh, concept into conviction. Who is the greatest in, in heaven's realm? It's not just kids that are four years old. Notice, like, I want you to read some of these words that go along with it. It's not just kids, right? Because, <laughs> listen, I met some pretty stubborn kids as well. That, that doesn't change anything. So it's not just, okay, i got to be like a four-year-old. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's a certain attitude that they have. Verse 4, again, look at it. Or, sorry, look at verse 3. From the, um, I want to just read it to you from the Passion because it lays out a few clearer words in here. He said, learn a, or become teachable. And learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child. Wide-eyed wonder. Then he says in verse 4, Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. So what is it? It's someone who doesn't think they know it all. Do you know who the Holy Spirit does not talk to? People who know it all. Why on earth would he need to talk? You know it all. But if you have this mentality and you remain teachable, guess what? He will speak to you all the time. 
So I'm going to make some adjustments on the inside that anytime somebody wants to talk to me about a scripture, wants to open the word up to me, I'm going to be wide-eyed. Yeah, what, what, what is it? What has the Lord shown you? What is that going to do? It's going to put in me an expectation to hear from him. Because look at this, Matthew eleven twenty five. Jesus said this, he prayed this prayer. If you could click that for me, that'd be great. It says, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things. What are these things? These are the revelations, the secrets that we're talking about, a reserve table of him revealing his covenant, of him revealing his promises. He's, Jesus said, you have hidden these things from those who think themselves are wise and clever, and you have revealed them to who? The childlike. Not just children, childlike. What is childlikeness again? Wide-eyed, teachable. Teach me. Man, this is the attitude. So again, I, I want to make sure that we have this attitude when we approach the Lord, when we approach the Word, because for you and I to receive anything from heaven, God's not going to just come down here and slap you and go, get this. No, He's waiting for an open heart. Yeah. You can actually see this. Mark chapter 3, I encourage you to read this. You actually see an angry Savior. What was he angry at? There was a man with a withered hand in church. And, uh, you know, Jesus was kind of just, he was there. And all of a sudden he called the man with a withered hand to the front. And it says in the Bible, you can read that, Mark chapter 3, I believe it's verse 3, is that the Pharisees, the religious rulers at that time, they actually on purpose were looking to see fault in what Jesus was doing. Did you know that you can actually find fault in anybody? If you look hard enough, if you have the intention of looking into something and making sure you're finding something wrong, you'll find it. Amen. Did you know that if you look long enough in this church, you'll find something wrong that you don't like? <laughs> Did you know that? It's very easy. And here's the thing. We're almost here. I believe we're almost trained this way to actually operate, naturally speaking. We have so much reason not to believe politicians. There's so many people that say certain things, and right away we look for what's wrong right the first moment. You may be coming here first time to church going, okay, this is kind of weird. Okay, what, what, what don't they do well at? Or maybe you're different. Maybe you go, what, what do they do awesome at? But notice these religious rulers, the first thing that they did, they looked to see at what they don't do, what he was doing so they could prove something wrong. And that's why Jesus came. I know this, but if you go to the next slide, it says Jesus came to confront religious systems. His whole thing. I think he had fun healing people on the Sabbath. It ticked them off. <laughs> Why? Because these religious guys were so caught up in their religious duties and their rules and how they did their life that they were unwilling to be interrupted by God himself revealing life to them. Some people are so okay with their lifestyle. Even Christians. Oh, I do this. I do church on Sundays. And don't ask anyone more, Lord. This is what I do. This is how much I do. I praise you once a week. Let's... And Jesus, he wants to minister life. So he came to confront dysfunction in your and my life. Now, just for time's sake, I want to kind of go through this. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, 17, you see Jesus' message. I'm going to read it to you from the Ben Campbell Johnson's paraphrase. It says, change your attitude for an invasion of the spirit dimension is imminent. Now, again, what is Jesus' message? Change. Say it with me. Change. 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 Can you change? Yeah. If you... You can change if you want to. You can change. God will help. But the whole message of Jesus was change. Change. Why? Because an invasion of the Spirit is imminent. Let me just break that down for you. Jesus' message was to change. 
<laughs> change your attitude. Change the way you're operating. Change of lifestyle. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the kingdom of heaven is not a place. It's a culture. It's a system of operation. It's the way that heaven works. So what's he doing? You gotta, you're going to need to change in order to get heaven's results in your life. You're going to have to make some adjustments. Can you see that? Anybody come into, you know, you kind of realize that for yourself, that man, you got saved, and now that you got saved, everything in the kingdom of God is so different from how it is in the world. Financially speaking, it's so different. God says here, bring your tithes, give, and it will be given unto you. In the world, it's get everything you possibly can and hold on to it. It's completely two different systems in operation here. And what's frustrating in Christians going, why isn't it working in any kind of area of their life is because, yes, they are maybe born again. They are filled with the Holy Spirit on their way to heaven. Absolutely. But if your mindset is still that of the world, you are going to find out living this Christian life going, why isn't this working? Why isn't it happening? It's because you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, the world system, and now you have been brought into the kingdom of, your, of his dear son where this is a completely different way of operating. You can't have strife here and think your prayers are going to get answered. I hear that all the time. People are just, I'm believing God and having things. They have all with somebody else. You think your prayer is going to be heard? It doesn't work that way. You can't just act however you want to act and at the same time expect God just to do something for you. That's not how this thing works, man. We're in a new system and how this system operates, we got to go back to the source and he's teaching us how this life is supposed to be lived. Can I get, uh-huh, that's, we're okay? You hear what I'm saying in that? Okay. Jesus also said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. And I want to read it to you from the Passion again because it just clearly lays it out. It says, Perhaps you think that I've come to spread peace and calm over the earth, but my coming will bring conflict and division. <laughs> Isn't that comforting words? Anybody have that scripture on their fridge? <laughs> he said, Perhaps you think I've come to spread peace and calm over the earth, but my coming will bring conflict and division. Now think about it. After Jesus left, what took place? What's been going on for the past 2,000 years? Conflict. Division. Between what? It's not people's going on. You'll, you'll see it happening there. But where's it going on? It's light versus darkness. There's constant conflict. You may even be at conflict with yourself. <laughs> right? I want to do right, but... Everything in the inside of me, I want to do the right thing, but I'm so stuck in this flesh and I want to be doing this over here. You're in conflict even with yourself. Amen. That's a good thing. And we'll, we'll get into that later on as we continue in the series. Jesus made another statement. He said, in, uh, John 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What's he saying? I am the light of the world. Come follow me. I'll show you how to walk through this life. I'll show you how to do this life. I'll reveal it to you. Man, that's good. I love that, that he opens things up to us. Now, how does Jesus confront dysfunction? Or how did Jesus reveal to us the systems in our life that aren't working? He does it first and foremost through revealing heaven's system on earth. And his heart was to reconcile us back to himself. Now this word reconciliation, you've heard that many times, but this is at the heart of the gospel, is reconciliation. And it comes out in four different areas. And I want to just read those four areas to you. Number one, it's getting people back into a relationship with God. That's first and foremost. You have to be reconciled to Him. Anybody do that before? You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
What happened? You got reconciled back to God. Then secondly, it's now we want to reconcile people back to each other. Thirdly, we want to reconcile people to live a holy and a pure life. And last, fourthly, we have got to go back to the life God created for man. We got to go back to the way life was intended for us to live. Everybody say, go back. back. (laughs) We're going back to how Genesis operated. Right? You see, the only perfect Bibles that you, really, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2 is perfection of what, man, this is how God operated. This is what was going on. This is what happened in man's life. And all the rest of the stuff that you see throughout the whole Bible is pointing us back to how things used to be. This is what it is. This is what Christ came to do. There's, this is what Jesus came. He purchased all this back for you and I. Now let's live a free life. Now, you and I, we know this. We've been called to live a fruitful life. Genesis chapter 1. I want you to look there for a sec again with me. Is this making sense? I, okay. Called to live a fruitful life. Now, what is your primary call again? To be in relationship with Jesus. That's your number one primary call. And if that primary call is off, everything else in life will be off. Marriages. If Jesus isn't number one, if he's a good number two, it's not going to work. Jamie is so much better being a number two than a number one in my life. (laughs) She's the greatest number two. And she'll say, say the same thing about me. I'm her number two. Who's number one? It's Jesus. My kids are number three. Yesterday I said this last night at our service. I said their kids are three, four, and five. And no, they're all three. <laughs> Had to change that up. But we got to keep this thing in proper order. We got to, everything about the kingdom of God is prioritized. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Right? There's a lot of firsts that you see, first mentions. But he tells us clearly that I got to be number one in your life. Because if I'm not number one, if I'm number two or anywhere else down that line, life will not make sense. Life will be frustrating for you. Right? It's because really whoever number one is in your life, it could be, it really, they are your source. And you're putting a lot of pressure on people that they can't actually fulfill. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, you and I now, that we are called to be with Jesus, this relationship, we're called to be fruitful. As I've said, and you've heard this many times, we're called to be productive. We're called to see fruit in, in our lives. It says this in verse 28, God blessed them. Isn't that awesome? These are the first words that Adam and Eve ever heard, and it was what? God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now that's more than just having kids. In the message translation, it says this, um, God blessed them, and he said this, prosper, exclamation point, reproduce, exclamation point, fill the earth, and take charge. Isn't that amazing? That's what the first words that God spoke to us. So God's not hindering you. God is not your issue. What's his, what's his desire and will for you in my life? Be fruitful, multiply. I love this in the message. It simply says, prosper. Everybody say it with me, Prosper. How's that feel? Prosper in every area of your life. Prosper, prosper, prosper. Then as we know, and you kind of see it in Genesis chapter 3, there was the fall of man and everything went downhill from there. Right? And what happened going on, you can see it in chapter 6. God tells Noah that he's going to flood the whole earth because every thought that mankind had at that time was evil. 
So God flooded the earth. And then in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and 3, again, God gave a command to Noah and his sons. And he's, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Message Bible says the same words. He said, God bless Noah and his sons. He said, prosper, reproduce, prosper, take over. This is what God's plan is for your and my life, is to prosper. You see in 3 John chapter 2, he says, My beloved sons, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Change. Change the way you're thinking. God is not your issue. God's not your problem. My, my, my life is just nothing's making sense. So there's strife in my family. My, my kids are doing this. It's not God's fault. He said prosper. So what do we got to do? Change. Change. If it's God's will that I prosper and he already said it, that obviously means I have to now align myself to him. Hallelujah. Okay. Because, you know, going, I'm not just before we go to the next verse, but every significant and fruitful person that we see in the Bible had a common denominator. And it was this, that God was their source for everything. Right? You look at, you can go through all the Old Testament, through the New Testament, you constantly see there's men and women of God who had God as their source. And what happened? God caused them to prosper in every area of their life. Now, what do I mean when I say God is my source? I mean, he's the first place that I run to. Where I go reveals who I trust. So you see this in the psalmist, Psalm chapter 7, verse 1. David said, I come to you for protection. O Lord, my God, save me from my persecutors and rescue me. Psalm 16, verses 1 and 2. He said, keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. So you see these men over and over and over again. God, I come running to you. You're my protection. You're my provider. You're my healer. You're my sustainer. God, I'm looking to you for answer. I need wisdom, God. What do I do in this situation? They went to God for everything. And I'm not going to reiterate what I talked about last week. And I would encourage you, just hear that because we read through Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we saw how God made way, provided for everything that mankind would ever need. Who made the garden? God did. Who put gold in the garden? God did. Who made all the trees with all this lush berries and apples and fruits? God did. And he did it all. What did man do? He received it. That's all he could do. And then all of a sudden, what, uh, Eve was brought to him. How did Adam get Eve? Did he want, hunt her out? Did he, he make one for himself? No. Did he just kind of take out a ribbon? <clears throat> okay, let's see what I can do with this. No, what did he do? God brought her to him and he saw her and went, Woo! Listen, it's time that you and I get more woos in our life. Now, I don't mean women. I'm sorry. So just let me clarify that. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> what I'm meaning is we should be getting more things from our Father. He is the provider for everything. If He's the source, He's the provider, that means I'm the receiver. Did I have to go and try to find Jamie? No, God brought her to me. I pursued her, yeah. Same way with our kids. What do we have to... Well, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> uh, John chapter 15 and verse 16. <laughs> Jesus said this again, we're called to a fruitful life. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Oh. 
I think if this, if this really settled in on the inside of us, that you realize that you didn't choose Jesus. Oh, Jesus, yeah, I choose you, Jesus. No, 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 long before that, he actually chose you. You just were smart enough to respond to that call. So nobody is doing God a favor. Just want to make that clear. Nobody's doing God a favor in anything. Showed up this, oh, Lord, I went to church this morning. He's not going to go, oh, baby, thank you so much. It was, an, it was so good to have you there. I mean, yeah, he's, he's grateful for it. It's, it's awesome. But that's not going to get you brownie points. Why? Because you didn't choose him. He chose you. And then what did he, Jesus say? I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Now, I want you to turn to John chapter 15. We're going to just finish up our time here with this. But there is only one way to be productive. There's only one way to be fruitful. And it's by connected to the source. You know, the Lord said this to me as I was just praying for this weekend services. The Lord said this, but fruitfulness is the result of connectedness. Any kind of fruit in your and my life is the result of connectedness. Yes, connectedness to Him, and, and, and I want to talk eventually more about, too, also relationships that we have with one another. But we, we have to have this connectedness, because if we want to even see fruit happening in our, in our businesses, in our organization, in our family, if we want to see fruit happening in our family, I have to be connected to my wife and vice versa. Hence, three kids. <laughs> right? But there's more to it. There's the connectedness that we have to have. If we want to get to where God has called us, there has to be connectedness. For anything to be fruitful in your life, you have to have people. They're connected to you. Listen, you need this church. This church needs you. We all need one another in this thing. It's not just a few people, okay, I got this, I don't need anybody else. No, 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 no. We need one another in this. But even before that, we have to first and foremost be connected to our source, who is God. And just before I read John 15, it says this, Fruitful believers know they don't produce the fruit. Grace does. It simply shows up in their life. So let's read John 15, and I want to reiterate that statement again. He says this, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Now the only access that the gardener, the Father, has to you... Can you go back to verse 1, please, just for a sec? He says, I am the true grapevine. This is Jesus speaking. And my Father is the gardener. The only access that the gardener has to you is through the grapevine. Right? And how, what's, who's the grapevine? It's Jesus. The only access that God has to me is through Jesus. My only access to the gardener or the Father then is through Jesus. Just so that we're clear. Okay. Verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, if you actually study this out, look more into the Greek, it doesn't just mean that he cuts you off and you're done, you're out of here. What he literally is saying is that he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. If you're an individual, somebody who's not producing fruit, he's actually going to lift you up and tie you around himself so that you bear fruit. Now, how does he do that? How does God tie you up to himself? He does that by connecting you to other believers. He does that by connecting you to a church. He does that by connecting to you other believers that are within the church. He's going to hook you up with them so that, in fact, God is going to be lifting you up so you can start producing fruit. Again, that is why it's so crucial that we understand relationships. What's the purpose of a relationship in my life? I have to know the nature of it. I have to know the characteristics of it. Why do I have this relationship with you? What's the point between this? There's got to be something here. 
So, and he said, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Everybody say, even more. Man, so what is God's desire? Even more fruit. You may have seen some fruit now. That's awesome. But how many know there's now even more fruit that he wants to see from you? Now, verse 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So how does God prune us? How does he trim us up? This is vital because a lot of people believe trials and tribulations do it. Trials and tribulations. Oh, I got to go through a hard time and God's just teaching me. He's pruning me. False. God doesn't need trials and tribulations to prune you and get you better. It's the last thing that he needs. Sure, he can use those things and turn it out for your good, but he doesn't use that to try to teach you something or to try to grow you in some way. How does he grow you and I? Right there. This is what Jesus said. He said, I purify by the message I give you. Because listen, this word is strong enough. Anybody ever been corrected by the word? Oh, and how does that feel? Oh, it feels, it hurts so good, doesn't it? It's wonderful. It's glorious because it causes you to change. There may be thought patterns. There may be ways that I've been operating, way I've been living my life. But what the word does, it shows where I'm a bit off. And he now gives me the grace to now change the way that I'm living. That's, what, that's grace. That's God's way of doing it. Verse 5. Then he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce... I want you to really get this. I know we've heard this in concept, but let this be conviction. Let this turn into something real on the inside of you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. It's impossible. Oh, I just, you know, me and God are good. I'm just, we're, I do my own thing with him. That, that, that is not going to cut it. Oh, I, I do church my own way. That is not going to cut it. Oh, you know, me and God, we're good. I, I talk to him once in a while. That, that is not going to get you fruitful. What I'm talking about, I'm talking to people that really want to be fruitful. Next, he goes on to say, yes, I am the vine. Now, notice this. Who is Jesus? Vine, right? He's the vine. You are branches. What do branches do? Branches, and just look, like think about all the, all the nice you know, dead trees we still have outside. What do they do? They just, they hang off of the vine. They stay vitally connected. Okay? Those who remain in me, to the vine, and I in them, what will happen? Will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Oh, that God doesn't actually really mean that. No, no, no. He means that. You can ask for anything you want. Well, what if, there's, what if people ask for the most ridiculous things? They won't because they are vitally connected to the vine. When you're connected to the vine, what is the Father's heart for you and I? Produce! Prosper! See fruit in your life. When you are connected to that source, that vine, you can ask for anything you want, and it may be granted. No, no, no. It will be granted. So who are you connected to? Who are you connected to? Then he says this. Now, I love this. Jesus really puts an emphasis. When you produce much fruit... 
You are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. So what gives God glory? Fruit. Fruit. Fruit gives God's glory. Sickness does not give God glory. Pain in your life does not give God glory. Failing marriages does not give God glory. What gives Him glory? Fruit. Everybody say fruit. That's why you remain vitally connected to this source, vitally connected to the vine. The result is fruit automatically. Have you ever seen a branch or yeah, one of those branches trying to pop out fruit? No, they just do it because they are connected to something. Everything depends upon that connectedness to that vine, right? You see that? Now I want to just again say this statement, but fruitful believers know they don't produce the fruit. Grace does it. Anything good that you've ever done in your life, you didn't do it. Yeah, it was the avenue. You were the avenue, the vessel that God used. But it was His power, His ability, His grace on the inside of you. You were smart enough to stay connected to the vine. And what happens? Fruit! Popping out! I know that for my own self. I can't just preach a message. I can't do that on my own strength. But when I'm connected to the vine, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. People quote that scripture all the time. Oh, I can do all things through Christ. Yes, if you're connected to the vine. But if you're apart from the vine, if you're that severed vine, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're in your own strength, man, because there is no life coming from the inside of you. Life begins from the inside out. People are working so hard. And this is one thing the Lord showed me. Joel, because for some point doing ministry was starting to get hard and I was starting to get frustrated in it. And the reason why I was getting frustrated, the reason why I was getting hurt is because I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm not doing it connected to the vine. And I had no joy in it. I had no fun in it. And it was just starting to be a drag. People, and that, you can take that forever. That, that, that may meet your fancy. But wherever you are, you got to get back to this vine. So how do you now stay connected to this vine? How do you do that? Real simply, two different ways. Number one. Again, you got to train yourself in this. This doesn't just happen automatically. But you have to train yourself in every situation to ask, what does the Word say about my situation? Train yourself. What does the Word say? Say it with me. What does the Word say? Having a tough time with your kids. First thing that you got to do, you, this, and this shows where your source is at. When tough times come, you reveal who your source is by the first place that you go. When hard things come, when something doesn't go right, when all the economy is going all ballistic, what does the Word say about this? And I said this last night, I want to say it again this, this morning, but you know, when you're attached to the vine, you as a believer never have to change the way that you live. Think about that for a sec. The economy can do whatever it wants. Government can choose and do whatever they want. But when you are connected to the vine, who is your source... You never have to change the way that you live. Why? Because you're connected to the source. When I'm connected to the source, what, do, what is my job? My job is just to produce fruit, just to see, let the fruit hang off me. That's my job. Some of you don't believe me. Go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. My heart really is, I want to I help you this morning. Where people may have some questions, people may have different thoughts on things, but men, if we can just get back to the way that God intended for us to live, which is God is the source, 
He is the vine. I'm simply a branch. I am never going to be a vine. Yeah. <laughs> so there's the reality. You are not called to be a vine. You're not called to give life and make everything work in your life. That's not your job. Your job is to stay connected to the vine. And what the result is, he makes, the, he makes it work. He makes the things happen. Right? Jeremiah chapter 17, look at verse 5. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Now, does that sound fun? But what is the result? Who is that person? Somebody who depends on who? Humans. Mere humans. Their own self. They can depend on government. They depend on their job. They depend on their paycheck. They depend on everything out there except for God. What does it say? That they're, going to be, they're not going to be able to see good things come. But, it says in verse 7, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Are you hearing that? This is amazing. You and I, we're, we're okay. As long as you stay connected to that vine, you never have to worry, oh, I lost my job. He is your source. Listen, I know this isn't the whole, yeah, let's go run around the church and get excited. But when you get this working on the inside of you, you'll start running and shouting. Yes. It's, this is vital. This will change everything about you. This will change how you live your life. When I'm connected to the source, when I know that God's got my back and I trust Him for everything, no matter what happens out here, no matter what government does, no matter what my job does, I stay the exact same. That's why I can pray for Prime Minister Trudeau with no ill feelings. You got Christians, oh, well, I'm going to just put this about him, and they post all this stuff on Facebook, and I got four people sharing it. You're just spreading anger. Anybody can talk about what they're against. What are you for? This is huge, people. We cannot talk about our prime minister and bring him down and think, okay, God, uh, please bless my business. How does that work? How honestly is that going to work? What are we supposed to do? Pray for all those that are in authority. Lift him up. He needs Jesus. He needs him. So what do we do? Lift him up. Lord, I'm lifting up to you, Prime Minister Judo. I pray for him. I thank you for that you open up his eyes to see. Man, he needs our prayers. So instead of Christians, this is our job. This is what we do. But listen, this is what you see is when people are severed from the vine and they live off kind of as a branch, that's when they hear start talking. Oh, they're doing this and they're doing that. And this person did this to me. It just shows that you are severed from the vine because what's happening is other things are your source. I got to take care of me. I got to take care of mine. This person said this about me. Well, I'm going to get them back. You see all this revenge in the body of Christ. This is happening in church. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy? But the moment you get back to the source, you can cast all of your cares over on him because he cares about me. He cares for me. He cares about me. Oh, that person said that about me. I don't care because I'm connected to the vine. As long as I'm connected here doing what he asked me to do, fruits popping off me, I don't care. They can say everything that they want to do. Yeah. A lot of times people that are doing all the talking are those that have no fruit in their life. 
And so you're giving them the time of day to even start speaking. Why? There's no fruit. Don't listen to fruitless people. <laughs> They're just fruit loops. That's all they got going on. There is nothing there. <laughs> so again, how do I stay connected to the source? I train myself in every situation to say, what does the word say about this situation? What does the word say about this? You see another decision that was made political-wise. Praise the Lord. I'm connected to the source. What does the word say about this situation? And you know what happens? Man, you start to have a totally change of heart. You start, and what happens, you actually start with Jeremiah 17, verse 8. He said, um, they are like trees planted along riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. You're not bothered by it. Oh, how, how are you doing today? Oh, man, you would not believe. I had a rough week. This is what happened in my job. You're not bothered by the heat. Why? Because you're the same. You live, you live the exact same way. Not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Long months of drought. And why? Their leaves stay green. Stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think this is the greatest evangelistic scriptures right here. Is for people in the world to go, how are you doing this? You lost your job how long ago? And you, how, you, you're still making, how are you doing that? I have a source. I have a, I'm connected to a vine. So number one is, what does the word say about it? Number two is, yield yourself to the Holy Spirit continuously, allowing the Holy Spirit to live freely in me and to constantly think on him. You know, Proverbs 3, 6, in all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him and he will make straight and direct my path. So throughout the day, I remember just even starting out in this, I would set a timer or a remi a, um, like a little stopwatch on my phone. Every five, 10 minutes, I would just have that off. Every time the alarm would go off, it would remind me just to stop for a sec and go, Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you're with me. Man, just start create, developing that sensitiveness and he, he's with me. Lord, I want to thank you that your presence goes and wherever you go, I go. Wherever I go, you go. Lord, I'm so thankful that you live on the inside of me. And what happens? You're starting to notice that he's with you. Man, all of a sudden when something happens in your family, something goes on over here, you got to make a decision over this. Holy Spirit, what do I do? That'll be your first instinct. we got to train ourselves to be like that. Cool? All right, let's all stand up together. I'm